0: Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode 108. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at bjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are both
1: pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor-neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip.
0: Awesome, Nick. Hey, so uh, this week on the Nerd Journey podcast, we're going to do something I don't think that we've done before. I think we've done a book report, but what we're kind of going to talk about today is set out our 2021 book goals. That is, talk about the books that we're going to try to read in 2021.
1: Understand, try to read, right? You're, you're not holding me accountable to read all these, right?
0: No, I, I don't think that there's a, I think this is path fail, and I think that there's a, a huge curve, right? Um The the idea here being, you know, let's uh, dream big about the books that we want to read in 2021, set some goals, um, and, you know, in doing so, talk about how we're trying to individually and collectively grow as uh, professionals and as human beings. Make sense? I like it. Cool. So um, why don't I go first? Um, I'll tell you how, you know, I kind of thought about this and organized it. And then, uh, you know, you can either use the structure or not. Um, but you know, again, like for me, I have a couple different areas that I'm trying to focus my growth in. And the first is just kind of general, uh, learning and career growth. So let me talk about that category. Um, there's a, there's a couple books here, uh, more than a few. And in fact, most of my books are in this category. Um, the very first is a book that I've read before, but it's been a while and I think Sometime in 2020, I was taking a look at it and went, you know, I don't remember a big chunk of this. It's kind of formative. I think um, It was one of the books that I pointed out as formative, like in the kind of transition between 2019 and 2020, you know, for me, like how I think. Um, But it's been a while since I read it. And other than some like fundamental principles, you know, that I kind of pulled from it and think about every day, um, it's been a while since I really refreshed myself on it, which is pretty unlike me. I, I'm a big rereader. Like I, I read books again and again and again um, over time. So that's a Pragmatic Thinking and Learning by Andy Hunt. And that's uh, from the Pragmatic Bookshelf. Uh, the second book that um, I'm going to uh, talk about here is... Uh, By an author, I I guess the author comes first uh, for this one, and that's Patrick Lencioni. He is the author of a book I think we talked about before, which was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Um, and that's correct. Episode eighty-seven. There you go. We did do a book report on that. Um, So he has a a more recent, although it's not his most recent book, um, but a more recent book called The Ideal Team Player how to recognize and cultivate the three essential virtues. You won't believe what number two is. Now that, that last part is, is not. Does it
1: say something about be like John White? It
0: has to. Uh, Probably not. Um, I, I certainly like, like to think of myself as a good team player. um, But I'd really like to hear his thoughts on it. He writes in a very, um, uh, what's the phrase that we used again, like business fable. Um, you know, and yeah. he might have even defined the category, you know, after Who Moved My Cheese, a book that I despise. Um, so, yeah, I'd, you know, like to, that's probably um, early on my list to get an early win because I'm, I'm going to assume that it's a, it's a nice, easy read um, with, you know, g- generally his structures are kind of telling a story that, it, you know, where the, the principles that he's talking about are, are uncovered and learned by the main character. And then kind of the last part of the book is a little bit more of the academic you know, um, exposition about the the points that he's trying to make. Um, so that's The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Um, then there's two books that uh, Stephen Morosky, like one of our more recent uh, interviewees, mentioned. And uh, so I'd like to kind of uh, dive into those. Um, the first is behind closed doors secrets of great management by Joanna Rothman and Esther Derby. Um, this is again from the, uh, pragmatic, uh, bookshelf, uh, series. And, uh, Stephen mentioned that, you know, just, it's kind of like, um, I think he said something about it being not unlike code, uh, um defining uh relationships not unlike or the patterns we build to work with and interact with software are not so different from those familiar models built to work with people that was the uh the note that we wrote um or more more specifically you wrote in for the show notes so um that i found very intriguing just that idea so once I can't again can't believe that's... i
1: missed that one on my list can i can i add a late <laughs> entry when i get to mine
0: or you can just you can just chime in and say yeah that you're right you're correct and you're yes john you are correct (laughs) um so once again that's behind closed doors secrets of great management um you know not that i want to be a manager um but you know all in all like we have to manage tasks and things and even kind of you know groups of peers uh a lot of times in our jobs um so you know there's that idea um the thesis behind that um the next was the second that Stephen moroski uh mentioned which was how to fail at almost everything and still win big by scott adams uh the inventor of dilbert um i'm a little bit hesitant on this like uh i just did some research scott adams sounds like kind of a jerk in real life and i'm not sure that i want to <laughs> um uh contribute to his like continuing success but um i'm intrigued by the title um and i heard that it's a little bit of an autobiography but um i'll check it out and then maybe if i find that it is you know strongly good or strongly bad i'll report back
1: yeah and if you're following along at home the steven murowski trilogy can be found in episodes 105 through 107
0: cool the next book um is called Success in Your Sphere, Leveraging the Power of Relationships to Achieve Your Business Goals by Tzvi Band. Tsvi um, is spelled Z-V-I, and I don't actually know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but uh, we'll put links to the author and uh, to the book. Uh, it, you know, just um, this is one of those things where the title jumped out at me, and, you know, I'm... One of the things that I do is judge books by their cover. So um, in this case, the title sounded intriguing. I certainly want to be successful in my sphere, and I want to learn to better leverage the power of relationships to achieve my business goals. Um, I don't know if that's a reference to sales or if it's a reference to navigating you know internal organizations, but I'm you know, I'm intrigued, and I'd like to check that out. And again, if I find anything, you know, strongly positive or negative about it, then I'll report back. Next book is Strategic Relationships at Work, Creating Your Circle of Mentors, Sponsors and Peers for Success in Business and Life. Um, that's by Wendy Murphy and Kathy Cram. That choice was kind of inspired by our discussion with Ashley Connell. She mentioned um, this discussion of mentors and sponsors. Um, you know a mentor somebody who helps you um, and a sponsor somebody who talks talks about you when you're not in the room right um, and um, that idea of you know maybe uh, finding you know effectively finding better uh, or good mentors and sponsors um, you know that was a really good idea and maybe if there's some, you know, thought leadership on that. I'd, I'd love to, to read about it and, you know, get better models about that. So. Yeah, that's um, a
1: good one. Definitely go back and listen to episodes 96 and 97, our interviews with Ashley Connell, if you haven't heard them.
0: Yeah. Shout out to you, Ashley. Next is feedback that works, how to build and deliver your message. Um, there's no specific author, but there's a reference to the Center for Creative Leadership. Um, I don't know if this is, um, you know, material, uh, based on, uh, uh, like a, a good class that they teach or something, but, you know, one of the things that, um, I do for my new job is, uh, um, performance reviews, which is, you know, at, at Google, um, there's a lot of peer review that goes on and I certainly want to be better at, uh, peer feedback. Um, both positive and constructive. So um, I, I'd like to, you know, investigate something there. So if you know of something that's maybe a really good um, source for providing really good feedback that is happens to not be this book or you know anything about this book um, or their genre, um, please let me know. I'd like to be better at providing peer feedback. Next. The Art of Being Indispensable at Work by Bruce Tolgan. Um, Again, this is more um, a judging the book by its cover um, and kind of by who's publishing it, which is the Harvard Business Review. Um, Don't know about this book, didn't read the recommendations or reviews, but I do want to be indispensable, so um, I don't know if this book is going to help me be that, um, but Again, if I get to it, I will report back.
1: Just so you know, John, I consider you an indispensable part of this Nerd Journey crew.
0: Ah, thanks, man. The next book, no, no, I I consider you to be an indispensable, indispensable part as well. Hey, thanks. Yeah.
1: I feel like we should hug, but we're not in the same place, and we're both distancing, so.
0: Yeah, social distancing. Hey, video high five. Awesome. Uh, next book and the last in this career category, um, or maybe a more general learning category is Empathy at Work by Sharon Steed. Uh, this is another O'Reilly book, I think. Um, so again, like, a for me, I like to lead my relationships with empathy, you know, talk about experiences that I've had and empathize with, you know, issues and and triumphs that uh, people are going through um, uh, at work uh, on my team. And uh, and if there is a book with a good model for doing that and someone who's put some work into thinking about, you know, thought models for doing that, I'd really like to to hear about that. So again, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be this book, but if you've read something out there in the Nerd Journey uh, listenership. Um, that is, you know, a really good example in this genre of empathy at work. I'd, I'd love to hear about it. All right. So that does it for the kind of career slash general category for me. Um, and then I think the next few books are all in kind of more technical categories. Um, this next category is, I didn't know exactly how to categorize these, so I'll just talk about it this way. Um, one of my kind of technical goals for the year is to um, kind of more formally adopt a programming language, and I picked Python. Uh, you know, not I don't really want to, you know, argue you know for or against it. It's just the the more time I figured that I spend thinking about what language to pick. The less time I'd spend learning it, so I just picked Python. It just seemed uh, to fit kind of the skills that I wanted to adopt, which is a little bit more like data engineering, data analytics, uh, big data, and maybe um, smearing over into machine learning. So, um, so Python was the language that I picked, and you know, there's a bunch of books that people recommend for learning this. The one that I picked was Learn Python 3 the Hard Way by Z.A. Shaw. Um, He has an entire website where he's covered a bunch of different languages, um, you know, learn the the hard way, um, which is a funny construction. But, you know, philosophically, he's like, you got to, here's some sample code, you have to type it in. Like, not copy-paste it, you know, but type it in physically. And then if you're typing things in the wrong way, then you'll learn to decode it. Debug it, and uh, you should, you know, um, kind of learn kind of the the pattern matching and the experience of of typing stuff in and and figuring out if anything's going wrong, um, you know, suggested changes, uh, your suspicions on what a code change is going to do, um, that kind of thing. So, I'm um, really interested in uh, in pursuing that. I'm I'm a couple weeks into doing that. Uh, and I took a took some time off, but I'd like to dive back in. So the second book um, in the Python category is Clean Code in Python. So the idea of clean code um, is to be able to uh, write code in kind of a um, a way that's understandable. It, it's such an interesting and and maybe like uh deep in the weeds uh, area to talk about. Um, which is funny because my goal isn't to actually become a programmer. It's to kind of just be able to be knowledgeable enough to be empathetic with uh, my customers who are doing development work. Um, so the idea of, of writing good code, uh, The philosophy of doing it. There's a couple different philosophies. One is to, you know, document really, really well what it is that you're doing, because, you know, somebody after you might have to come in and read and understand the code. And if you don't document it um, and write good comments, then you might uh, that person might not understand what your code does. And sometimes that person is you, (laughs) so you should document what it is that you're trying to do in any given piece of code. Uh, really, really well. Um, An alternative philosophy is that you should write the code in such a way that it is extremely clear what it is that it's trying to do and only write comments um, when there's uh, maybe something fairly complex um, uh, conceptually um, that needs to be referenced outside and understood outside uh, the code like maybe business logic, you know I'm trying to code this specific business logic and this is how it's done in this language so the idea being You know when you're trying to do general concepts or, or create general structures in the code That there's just really no other way to interpret the code as doing a anything except a specific thing and it's super super clear um, that the code is supposed to be doing this thing because of the way that you're writing it. Uh, that's like a maybe a gross generalization as somebody who's not an expert at the idea. But I figure, um, you know, my stretch is both to learn Python and then kind of conceptually understand what clean code is in Python. You know, not that I'm going to write, you know, thousands and thousands of lines in, of Python in 2021, but, you know, to know both those things. Okay, my next category is Computational Thinking. Uh, and the first book is Computational Thinking, A Beginner's Guide to Problem Solving and Programming by Carl Beecher. Um, let me back up and talk about this category. So the first half of being a good programmer is to understand language syntax, which is you know how the language actually operates, the various ways that it can operate. You know, arguably knowing something about the various libraries that you can call and insert, um, so you know that's all very important. Uh, computational thinking, like I said, is the second half of that, which is actually thinking about how to solve problems in a way that a computer can understand. So describe problems and write out this, you know, a an algorithmic way of of solving a problem that can be. A little bit more easily translated into computer code, uh, code in a programming language. So, this is something that I think I've never really learned about. Maybe it's a, a study that was defined like kind of after I was in college taking programming classes. Um, so, uh, it is something that I stumbled across, you know, watch some like YouTube videos on, but you know, I'd like to kind of understand that a little bit better. Again, I don't want to become a, a programmer by trade and um, do that for my job, but I want to understand and be able to be empathetic with um, this uh, people who do on a day-to-day basis. And then I, you know, maybe it would be nice to be able to kind of more effectively um, solve problems that I come across and be able to kind of demonstrate in a small way, you know, uh, a, a bare level of competence in these types of things. So um, I mentioned that I'm kind of picking Python as the language that I'm kind of going to dabble in in 2021. So the second book in the computational thinking category is Applied Computational Thinking with Python by Sofia de Jesus and de René Martinez. Um, don't know anything about the book, um, but would love to hear from people who um Maybe have gone down this path before. If they have some book recommendations, you know, computational thinking. by Carl Beecher was, you know, subtitled a beginner's guide, and I'm a beginner. And this one was applied computational thinking with Python, and Python is something, you know, that I'd like to get better at. So, you know, those are kind of the the, the ideas behind the picks of those two books. Um, so once again. Would love to hear feedback for people who have kind of walked this path before. Um, If you have book recommendations that you think would better fit um, what it is I'm looking to do and looking to pick up, would love to hear about them. Uh, Final category and final book. uh, Category is data science, and the book is data science on the Google Cloud Platform. Um, This is kind of me making a category bet on the future, For me, uh, I mentioned, you know, this is kind of a technical goal of mine. I'm just seeing um, lots and lots of data analytics and data pipeline, and as a result, data science in almost everything that I'm doing, every aspect of um, customers that I'm interacting with. You know, this has been an issue. So, would love to kind of get more of a a practical guide um, to doing that. The fact that it's on the Google Cloud platform is maybe just icing on the cake. And if there's, you know, maybe something uh, that's better out there that, you know, is detached from a specific uh, platform, that would be great, too, especially if it's better. Um, This one is by Valiampa Lakshman. Um, And I don't know anything about it, but um, it is another O'Reilly book. So uh, there you go. Let me ask you a quick question, John. Sure, yeah. Uh,
1: I know a lot of the technical books are probably, uh, you know, actual paper that you're going to be looking at and reading, I would guess. Probably not as much of a chance to be audio format there, maybe digital on the computer. Any idea of the breakdown you think you'll use for consumption?
0: Um, I think it's going to be the only book that I see a chance of doing audio would be the Lencioni book, The Ideal Team Player, because of the way that he formats it, you know, the um, kind of business fable within a a follow-up section of a little bit more like reference material. So, you know, that might be a a both type of thing where, you know, I get the audiobook and, you know, a PDF or whatever the format is from Amazon and use WhisperSync where I can go back and forth. Maybe, um, now that I think about it, how to feel at almost everything and still win big by Scott Adams might fall into that category as well. A little bit more, you know, conceptual, uh, not super technical and, you know, a mix with autobiography. Um, so I'll have to see maybe I'll, Look at the reviews of the audiobook and see whether that was an appropriate format for that um, That's that's kind of the only things that I see any chance of getting the audiobook for Um, As far as like what format that I'll actually read it in probably Digital format like I have access to the O'Reilly Learning Library through work Um, and After having moved a few times in my life like the idea of packing up and unpacking books over and over again has become like less and less interesting. Um, I still have like physical copies of books, like in my life that have been like the most important to me. Um, But they're starting to feel a little bit more like, you know, sacred objects that I um, don't actually use, but I want to keep around because of the like emotional association of having read the book rather than being useful in reading again. Um, So, I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts on it. You know, you know, 90% digital reading digital, I would say, and the other 10% is a chance of audiobook.
1: Yeah, that sounds good, man.
0: Cool. Any uh any reactions, any feedback that you have? Like uh how does that sound to you?
1: I think that sounds good. I like how you chose some technical reads in there. I I love the career section. Those are some that I hadn't thought of, didn't make my list. So maybe if I have more time, I can pick from that and we can continue to update each other on our thoughts on these different books as we read them. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I like cool. it. So I thought of something else, John. With the technical reads at the end of that list, that would be a good opportunity for you to start blogging about those, and especially breaking down the concepts of things like computational thinking, because that's not I mean that's not something I knew was a thing, unfortunately before today. So I think that could be interesting if you want to take up the the blogging again.
0: yeah, I mean that's a really good point. And actually, nothing stops me from doing that from for just the technical books, right? You know, reacting to any given book—you know, the positives, the negatives, the structure—you know, that that might be um, worth doing. You know, period.
1: It sounds like your only enemy is sleep.
0: <laughs> I feel like maybe I just got a uh, a homework assignment.
1: Hey, that's what I do, John. <laughs> I try to I try to offload the work. I'm delegating or suggesting.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, how about um how about your list? You want to get into that? Sure. So first I thought I would share
1: with everyone my the way I think about this and you know underneath the covers this is sort of like a stream of consciousness process. I end up jumping from book to book to book in a stream of consciousness fashion. Mm-hmm. And I went I went back and looked at the different categories of books that I had read over the past couple of years. A lot of them were in business, social interaction, about thought processes, technology, learning, health and wellness, family, biographies, sports stories, and a few things on career. So it's, it's kind of spanned the, the gambit. So I tried to categorize mine in the same way as you, and I'll, I'll make some recommendations on here on, on what I found interesting. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right. So w- one of the books I read last year was Moonwalking with Einstein about um, Joshua Foer, I think it's his last name. If I got that wrong, forgive me. But he basically joins the World Memory Championship and talks about how he trained for it and was able to develop this amazing memory. And it got me to thinking about this concept called deliberate practice. And there are a lot of books on deliberate practice out there, meaning you are practicing with a focused intensity and you are repeating the doing part with fast feedback on what you might be doing wrong until you get it right to develop what's called a mental representation. Or at least that's what Anders Ericsson, the, the researcher who studied people at who were experts in their field and performed among the most elite, called it. Where the learning happens, and you get to be, you get to a place where your skills are very fine tuned, and I thought that that was just very fascinating and interesting. So there's, there are a few books on this, Peak by Anders Ericsson. Actually, already read that one. Really good. Uh, the Art of Learning by Joshua Waitskin about the. He was the one that they wrote, wrote the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer about. Ah, yeah. I remember now. It talks about how he learned to play chess, about what his life in competitive chess was like. And then he talks about how he wandered into Tai Chi and got into this competitive sport called push hands and eventually kind of dominated that field. And it was really interesting to hear a little bit of his life story and how he's developed an amazing capability to learn and excel in different fields. You know, how many people mm. do you hear about end up going on to to just Uber excel in multiple different arenas like that? Just yeah. a really good book. But there are some others. I, I wanted what I end up doing is once I find some books that are really good and helpful in one area, I like to get different viewpoints from multiple authors who may have written about it. And so I found an article that James Clear had written with some book recommendations. One of them was The Talent Code by Dan Coyle. I know you've mentioned that to me before, because I think you've already read it, right?
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of that book. So that's on the list.
1: Uh, Another one on his list was Deep Work by Cal Newport. I remember there was a Geek Whispers episode where they were talking about Cal Newport a while back and another one called The Practicing Mind by Thomas Stirner. So just based on the list, based on the fact that they're related to that deliberate practice aspect makes me wanna read these, not really having heard of these other two outside of the one that you've read. That's the, that's the right. philosophy at
0: least. That makes sense, yeah.
1: And then the next category is mentoring or career. There's a, a guy named Tim Ferriss who actually interviewed Josh Waitzkin at the end of the audio book, right. The Art of Learning. He wrote a book called Tribe of Mentors, and it it's essentially life lessons in a number of different areas f- collected by him from all these different people who are leaders in different areas, whether it's business, professional athletes, taking some of their nuggets of wisdom and passing it on. He wrote it to to give himself a collective subset of suggestions and he ended up publishing a book which sounded really interesting so that one
0: made that's really noticed. cool tim Ferriss is the guy who wrote the five hour work week which is probably um i've always made fun of um as a concept but um you know the ideas that underlie it are, you know, always really cool, like, you know, automate as much as possible. Um, I really wish that I'd thought of picking a Tim Ferriss book. And that also reminds me that I probably should have picked a Seth Godin book as well. It's never too late, John. Never <laughs> too late.
1: Another one in that mentoring category is a game plan for life by John Wooden, Don Yeager, and John Maxwell. Interestingly enough, Don Yeager was on a team call at VMware and gave kind of a an interesting talk about Michael Jordan and how he got to know him and how he was super competitive. And we got to get a book out of his library that he had written, and one of the ones I saw was A Game Plan for Life by John Wooden, one of the best basketball coaches of all time. And he talks about how he learned from others as a, you know, as a child, as a adolescent, as a, as a man, as an older man and those mentors and people who had influenced him the most and how it made and changed his coaching and teaching and mentoring philosophy.
0: Very cool. I will point out that um, John Wooden's uh, coaching uh, methodology is heavily referenced in the talent code by Dan Coyle.
1: Perfect. Maybe I should order those appropriately. I haven't built a dependency chain for the order of these yet, but maybe maybe that's the next step, John.
0: Nerd. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I really like biographies. Also, I I find them fascinating to learn about people's lives. Whether it's a tech leader, an excellent business person, someone who's thought of as a thought leader, profound thinker, an industry changer, or just an interesting. Celebrity, sports figure, kind of person. Uh, I had already read one by Ed Ed Catmull, the guy who was one of the founders of Pixar. Just fascinating on his management philosophy and how that grew and changed as Pixar grew, and eventually became part of Disney. Which led me to Steve Jobs, because he actually acquired Pixar shortly after it was part of Lucasfilm, and he helped take them to the next level, but the the book about Steve Jobs that I am going, or just finished actually, so it is 2021 when we're recording this, it's called Becoming Steve Jobs, and so he talks about, the the biographer talks about some things that he felt were not brought to light in other biographies about how Steve Jobs changed drastically from when he started Apple, left Apple for the first time, went and took on Pixar, and then came back to Apple, the health struggles he went through, the innovations that happened at Apple, the way Pixar got acquired, went IPO, the people he met, the thought processes he had, the creative ideas, the way he managed his time, I just thought it was really, really interesting to learn about how someone so successful grew as a manager and leader, even though they started something great early on, like Apple.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. That's a really thought-provoking, just because, I mean, one of the questions that I had going into this category was, what you know inspired you to read biographies at all but i think you might have just answered that question for me
1: yeah i like to just like we listen for stories on the podcast and learn from the mistakes people made or the mistakes they avoided mm-hmm. i think you can do the same thing with with biographies and if it's in an interesting area at least for me it helps me remember it better mm. you know it was based in technology i had this I got into this Pixar kick on a bunch of books I read at the end of last year, learning about the stories, and Mm. it just kind of led me again in the stream of consciousness fashion into something else interesting. Got it, got it. So so along those same lines, I definitely want to read George Lucas's biography. Big Star Wars fan, Disney fan. Also... uh, Bob Iger wrote a biography. He's the CEO of Disney, He's responsible for building theme parks like Shanghai Disney, and he he even talks about he talks about his management lessons that he learned 15 years as Disney's CEO, which I think will be really interesting. How he handled crisis situations, the scenarios that grew him. Like one of the first things he did was work on the acquisition of Pixar. With Steve Jobs. Right. again you see the connection here right i do yeah and of course somewhat parallel to that i want to read the biography of walt disney the innovation that that guy was able to bring in with his theme parks rides the imagineering team i watched the imagineering story on disney plus highly recommend by the way Hmm. so maybe that spurned some of this Uh, The Walt Disney, it's called The Triumph of American Imagination by Neil Gabler. next one on the list is The Innovators, How a Group of Hackers, Geniuses, and Geeks Created the Digital Revolution. This one's really more about the history of the computer from many moons until today, probably traversing people like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, etc. So I think that'll be good. Walter Isaacson actually did one of the biographies of Steve Jobs, not the one I read. Love Walter Isaacson. It'll be my first one by him. Well, last year I read a biography of Andre Agassi, which was fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't care for some of the language, but it was really interesting. So one of the people he played a lot was Pete Sampras. Sampras has a biography. It just seems natural that I should go and, and read it. They had a great rivalry. be curious yeah. to, to learn about his life. I talked about the Don Yeager showing on one of our team calls at work. Uh, There's a Michael Jordan book. He didn't necessarily write this one, but it's a Michael Jordan biography. Always looked up to Michael Jordan, watched a lot of Chicago Bulls basketball as a kid. Not as much anymore, but there's one called Michael Jordan, The Life by Roland Lazenby that I was going to check out. Another one on the list, and again, this was Social Engineering by Audible, I think, more than anything. It's called Gunslinger, The Remarkable, Improbable, Iconic Life of Brett Favre. Always cheered for that guy when he was playing, especially after he left Green Bay, went to Minnesota. I just thought he was a pretty good quarterback.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'd be interested in hearing... You know your thoughts on that one like yeah. whether there's good uh good things to pull out of that
1: right you know maybe it talks about the progression to how he got on the blue jean commercial so i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we'll see
1: updates to come there's another one on here i put bruce lee a life by matthew polly hmm. this is supposed to Basically, dispel some of the myths, legends, presuppositions about what Bruce Lee was really like. Kind of like the book about Steve Jobs, mm. talking a little bit more about what he was really like in the later years. So, again, there's that connection. I think it'll. I think it'll be interesting. Another one on the list. This was actually inspired by Paul Green. If you if you go back and and check out the Paul Green episodes. 93 and 94. One of the books he recommended was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight.
0: Oh, that's right. I meant to add that to my list too. It seems to be Great popular Paul. on Audible,
1: so why not? Right? Good reviews. Yeah, yeah. Another one is a guy that I used to go to church with actually recommended this. It's called Paul, a biography by N.T. Wright. It is supposed to be a historical account of the Apostle Paul that we read about in the Bible, the one who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, was formerly Saul of Tarsus, persecuted Christians. Just sounded really interesting. Cool. Next one is the category of, we'll just call it thinking. Mm -hmm. A lot of the books I read in the last few years reference a book called Thinking and Systems, a Primer by Donella H. Meadows, just more about systems level problem solving i've heard it referenced in so many different books especially by i believe chip and dan heath meant call it out a few others hmm. i feel like i just need to read it and then another one that i've heard mentioned in a lot of the books i've already read is thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman about behavioral psychology and the way people think and make decisions
0: yeah that book has popped up a couple different times, and, and my reading lists or like, you know, um, articles that I've read. Good call. I've been really
1: interested in the ideas behind exercising your creativity. I think we do a little bit of that on the podcast, people who blog, make videos. Uh, there was one that I found called Creative Confidence, Unleashing the Creative Potential Within Us All. It's about two brothers. One of them gets sick with cancer. They each have kind of different backgrounds. But after one of them survives cancer, they end up starting a company and helping people focus. Well, the book is about helping people focus on unleashing their own creativity, it's saying things like you don't have to be a, an innovator of a big company to be creative in what you do and, and how mm. you do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think creativity is somewhat relative of a term, so I'm interested to to hear what they have to say. Very cool. Exercise and health. I like to work out a few times a week if possible. Uh, one of the ones after reading Spark last year. Uh, this one stood out to me: the joy of movement, how to how exercise helps us find happiness, hope, connection, and courage by Kelly McGonigal. I, I do like to exercise. I feel like it gives me a mental boost and helps my overall demeanor. So, we'll have to see how it goes. It was it had good reviews. Very cool. Next one is parenting category. I read some books about how to be a better dad. Why smart kids worry. Last year, and some of these are written by authors whose work was mentioned in those books. So, Mm. for example, this first one, The Yes Brain How to Cultivate Courage, Curiosity, and Resilience in Your Child by Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. Daniel Siegel's work was called out in one of the other books I had read last year. So, I thought that would be interesting. Nice. Next one is Are My Kids On Track? The 12 Emotional, Social, and Spiritual Milestones Your Child Needs to Reach by Sissy Goff. So again, this one's kind of in the same genre. Spiritual mis- milestones I I may take with a little bit of a grain of salt cuz I'll probably get those straight from the good book, the Bible, but it'll be interesting to see what someone else has to say there.
0: Hmm. Maybe find out if what the meaning of spiritual milestones is the same as your meaning.
1: Right. Yeah, people could interpret that a little bit different. The last one in the parenting list is Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child, The Heart of Parenting, by John Gottman. It sounded interesting. I, you know, I do have a a young girl and I don't maybe I, I don't think I'm as emotionally intelligent as I wish I was sometimes. So hopefully it can help me be a better dad and better husband. Cool. On the topic of emotional intelligence, it seems like we're hearing a lot of people talk about that, at least in our industry. And I wanted to read some other books on it just because I never have. And one of the ones I found that was rated pretty well was Emotional Intelligence Blueprint by Mark Page. It was rated Five stars. And then another one, Emotional Intelligence for Sales Leadership, The Secret to Building High-Performance Sales Teams by Colleen Stanley. That was geared more toward managers in in a field closer to where we are. So I thought that would be interesting to see how the advice was catered to a specific industry or a role.
0: Right. That makes sense.
1: And I, I have to say, I didn't really have a specific technical read to call out here, John, unfortunately. Uh, I wondered if maybe there was something wrong with me, but it seems like most of my reading is not related to what I do every day necessarily from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Maybe it seems to be more soft skills. I don't know if that's just really interesting to me. I do blog and tinker with different things. So I thought if Somebody listening had a recommendation on serverless technologies. So I think that would be an interesting technical read for me. Been doing a lot of tinkering with serverless stuff in Azure and observability, distributed tracing, uh, and doing some programming along with that. So I I think that would be good. I think something on you know general software release and development would probably be good as well.
0: Yeah, very cool. Yeah. If- You know, I certainly don't have any expertise in that area, but if there's somebody out there who, you know, has read good books or has a recommendation for for how to pursue knowledge in that area, I mean, I'd certainly be interested in reading about that as well.
1: More blogging opportunities, John, for both of us. (laughs) There you go. That's right i I think from a consumption standpoint, these will probably for the most part be audible, except for the really technical reads. You know, if I were to get a book on serverless, I'd probably want either the paperback or the copy that I could open on my computer right but yeah that's that's the list. it's ambitious will will we get through them i I don't know. we'll see.
0: yeah, I think you know, aim high. I'm sure that some of the books that we read or listen to during the course of the year won't be on these lists, and not every book that is on the list will, you know, will be something that we get to. Um, but you know, set ambitious goals and then you know, reach high heights. You know, whether or not you reach every single goal, one hundred percent.
1: Right. Yeah, and send Audible
0: gift cards. <laughs> at Nerd Journey. That's right. You know, maybe uh we should uh we should investigate a um a marketing partnership with Audible because that's never been done before in a podcast.
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I thought of, John, is maybe providing listeners with some ideas on other places they could find book recommendations. What do you think? Oh, that's
0: a really good idea. Yeah.
1: One of the ones I thought of was just your friends, family and colleagues. You know, how many times do we have a one-on-one with a colleague or talking about different things we're learning. Hey, what book are you reading? Do you have any good book recommendations? I'm interested in X or maybe you don't know what you're interested in and I'm always interested in why someone read something and what made it interesting to them. So I think that's I think that's a good source.
0: Especially if you meet somebody interesting and you want to know, like, at least i found like a lot of interesting people are influenced by specific things. So if you understand their influences, then you understand, you know, them a little bit better. Um, so it's a really good point. Yeah.
1: Another good one is on LinkedIn. Actually, there's a hashtag LinkedIn book club one, one phrase that you can search for and people post and hashtag their posts on it. So if you're posting something on LinkedIn about a book you read, I would encourage you to hashtag your post with LinkedIn Book Club so that others can benefit. I know I found a couple of recommendations from different people recently. One of the ones, I didn't put it on my list because it didn't really fit in a great category, but one of the ones I heard about recently is called Quiet the Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Kane. Hmm. It, cool. it sounded pretty interesting.
0: I'm pulling that up, and the very first book on the in the feed is human hacking, when friends and influence people and leave them better off for having met you by Christopher yeah. Hadnagy and Seth Schulman, which nice. sounds fascinating.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for sure.
0: Should we hashtag this uh, this episode with uh, LinkedIn Book Club? I think we should. Okay, cool.
1: For sure. And Nerd Journey Book Club, of course.
0: <laughs> Brand new hashtag.
1: Exactly. Now, there are some subreddits that you can go to if you're a Reddit person. There's a Reddit book club, but it's kind of like all genres. Mm. There's a book suggestion subreddit. Again, if you're looking for a suggestion, you can ask on there and somebody will make some. There's a there's a nonfiction book club Reddit as well. So if you want specifically nonfiction, which everything we talked about is, maybe with the exception of the Patrick Lencioni business fable style books, even though they're, I mean, they tell a nonfiction lesson, mm-hmm. right? but they are fictional stories. So that might be a good source. I haven't spent a whole lot of time there. But it's another option. And, of course, Twitter is good if you have a decent hashtag to look for, whether it's Vexpert or some other advocacy program you might be a part of.
0: Can I ask a question about mm-hmm. um, that? The, not so much the Twitter part, but the, the different Reddit groups that you mentioned. Is mm-hmm. there what's Are the book clubs kind of like collectively reading the same book at the same time and then discussing it? Is that what makes it a book club Reddit?
1: It didn't seem that way from a quick browse through some of the topics. It seemed like the book club ones had a weekly recommendations thread, for example. But I, I don't recall seeing, hey, we're all going to read X. There were posts like, this is the best book I read last year. What's the best book you read last year?
0: Mm, okay. So a little bit more... Um... Like organic discussion, yeah. Okay.
1: Or you know, I just finished reading Nineteen Eighty Four. Here's a question I have for someone.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Okay.
1: And I, I'm sure there are many more, but that was just me spending five ten minutes taking a look. And it'll it'll tell you you know how many members, how many are online, and what you can and can't do in that specific subreddit. Right. Okay. Any other areas you get book recommendations from, John, that we didn't mention?
0: Definitely, um, a lot of mine comes from come from friend, friends, family, and colleagues, uh, which was your very first area of recommendation. So no, <laughs> um, and I think that you also covered like another one, which was kind of the 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 um, referential uh, recommendation where you know, book or author or speaker gets mentioned, you know, in passing or, you know, maybe very specifically as an interesting source in a book and then going to read that author. Um, That uh, that's happened a lot. Um, I think a lot of my nonfiction reading, my nonfiction science reading, for example, came from me kind of talking the ear off of everybody that I met in my, my friend group and family group and saying, Hey, this book was really interesting because of this. And then finally somebody going, Oh, if you like that book, you'll probably like this, which sounds, you know, like in a very similar genre. Um, So my nonfiction science reading, like uh, about um, like a lot of, The plants that we eat, I I found a lot of reading about that, like, because people recommended it and because I was talking about one book, they recommended another and then another and another and another.
1: That's cool, man. Sounds good. I want to say one thing before we close. I think that if you're not reading books or consuming them in some way that you're probably missing out on some really good content. I know that is something that I didn't do when I was in IT operations because I didn't really feel like I had the time. You know what I mean? I, I, would, yeah. I would try to read my Bible each day for a little bit, but I wasn't consuming an, an extra a book on a specific topic, whether in or outside my industry. It's not that I wasn't learning, but I feel like there's something that makes you better from reading a book or two here and there that's different from articles online or a training you can take online
0: or in in person. The thing that I really like is something that challenges me. My, you know, my mental model of the world or how things work or presents a mental model of how something works that I haven't really thought about before. Um, And You know, the, I think one of the the things that's most enjoyable is, um, having like kind of a generally accepted assumption or an assumption that I specifically have about how my mind works or how the world works. And then somebody kind of taking that apart and, and saying, no, this is how it actually works. You know, I love that. I love that challenge. Um, and, you know, because I don't know, we just make assumptions and, you know, this is how things work, you know, this way or that way, you know, um, and to have that kind of blown apart, you know, is, I don't know why I find it so enjoyable, but I really do. (laughs) So that, that's why I think a lot of, in the past, my nonfiction reading has been like kind of science reading, um, not Not by scientists, but like, you know, journalists talking about, um, you know, specific uh, scientific breakthroughs, you know. So actually, I think, you know, some of the learning stuff that we've talked about, like the talent code, has really been in that area, right? Like how learning works and, you know, how people get good at learning and how people get good at anything, you know skill acquisition in general um and you know i thought it worked one way and you know had somebody challenge that you know in the form of them writing a book about it you know <laughs> um so i love that i really love that and and i i have to say that i've been kind of a lifelong bookworm um and just recently switched over to audiobooks so i can kind of multitask while i'm driving somewhere that's you know, the, um, uh, the downsides of being a grown-up, grown I guess, um, and having my time taken up by other stuff. But I, I still love, love reading both fiction and nonfiction. And, you know, I think this is something we talked about, again, kind of in that 2019-2020 interface. We had some, you know, this is why I think the way that I do um, episodes. And, you know, mm-hmm. the books I've read – have really helped, you know, shape the way that I think. And uh that's both, you know, fiction and nonfiction. So I I definitely am judgy about on you know, I'll this is a, a failing of mine and I'll admit it. If someone doesn't read, then I'll I'll be judgy about that. You know, like I you, think you'll be judgy just in general. <laughs> I try not to be <laughs> But about that one specific thing, definitely.
1: And and I think you know if you're not someone who's reading, because I I was good at reading as a kid, right, mm-hmm. at a young age, and then I guess I just didn't like it anymore at some point, or couldn't find something that really interested me. Probably until like high school or college, mm-hmm. I only read you know what you're required to in school, and so once I I think one of the first. Things that really got my attention was Harry Potter. A friend of mine gave me that for Christmas, and you know I started enjoying fantasy fiction and, and different things like that. And I occasionally will will read those, but mm-hmm. I think that as you learn more and more, you're gonna make connections whether you're reading nonfiction, fiction, character struggles, um, interesting lessons learned. And you're going to be able to apply it or at least think of it while you're doing something totally different. Yeah. And definitely it leads to a higher level of, of learning and analysis.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that is like a back burner project for me is the kind of favorite books I had at any given age that I, you know, led me to be who I am. (laughs) Um, I remember reading Harry Potter, understanding why people enjoyed it. I think I got to it as kind of like in my thirties. So like that specific book series was a little bit frustrating to me. I understand, I understand the enjoyment, you know, and I would, you know, I, I know that there were people my age who, you know, railed against Harry Potter because of that. But I was like, Hey, if people are reading like, that's always better (laughs) people reading is better than not reading and and i think my idea was like oh if you think that there's a better book than that and you know it's like oh if you loved harry potter then you're really gonna love x then that's what you should be talking about not the fable
1: series by the way if you like harry potter read the fable haven series by brandon Mull.
0: oh interesting
1: by the way, I think John's just jaded because when he was eleven he didn't get a letter about Hogwarts. That's just my thought
0: <laughs> Oh no, 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 definitely not that at all, all right. my uh my recommendation would be um if you liked Harry Potter, then you should uh read uh, David Eddings. Um, and the two series are the Belgariad and the Malorian. Um, I think the first book that you would read there would be called Pawn of Prophecy. Okay, cool.
1: Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. So we all we right. did it all, folks. We did book goals, ways to find recommendations, and we made our way to fiction. Yeah. Full circle.
0: Awesome. Well, are uh, you ready to get out of here?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. And we're always thankful for audible gift cards, just <laughs> collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Maybe we can negotiate some John White School of Mentoring time in exchange for audible gift cards. We'll just have to see pricing and packaging to come
0: i have 10 unused credits so (laughs) just go ahead
1: and transfer those over to me big guy
0: (laughs) all right um farewell listeners and tune in next time as the journey continues i'm john white at v journeyman for nick cordy at network nerd underscore signing off adios